Good afternoon, saints. Shall we all rise as we declare that today is the day that our good Lord has made and we will choose to rejoice and be glad in it.
Redeemed by His grace. 
Verse 2. Yes, you are. 
Because of the price that was paid, all the promises are yes and amen. And so, Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We worship you. We bless you. We are here and we are so abundantly thankful. Thankful for what is finished. Thankful that here we are. All the promises of God, they belong to us and they are yes and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's have a seat for a moment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now we have an opportunity to bless the Lord with our giving. But I want us to do it in faith. I want us to do it with understanding. The scripture says in Proverbs 13 verse 5, that when there is understanding, the person that functions in understanding can take a hold of favor. Amen? Can take a hold of grace. And we see, so in our giving, faith needs to be connected up with it. But let me just point out a few things from Genesis chapter 22, a passage we probably, most of you may be familiar with. Abraham was told and instructed by God to go offer up the very best that he had his son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. And Abraham's response, first of all, was to the servants that were with him. He said, me and the boy are going to go yonder and worship. He called, offering up his very best, that sacrifice of his son, he called that worship. Your giving is worship. But not only that, when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son and was about to, 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 to literally um, kill Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice, an angel of the Lord spoke and told him, stop, don't do it, because now God knows that you fear him. So that that act of obedience, that act of offering up his sacrifice that he called worship, God called it the fear of the Lord. Your giving is, a, is an exclamation point that, Lord, I am obedient to you, I fear you, I reverence you, I love you, and it is an act of worship. Now, here is something I want you to capture, and I really want you to capture this. 
The word of God says in Psalms 50 and verse 5, where God says, Gather my saints, those that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. Which ones? The ones that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. You see, your giving is a sacrifice. Your, 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 it is worship. It is a sacrifice. It is a representation. It is a demonstration of the fear of the Lord and honoring God and trusting God and obeying God. But it is also a sacrifice. So when you sacrifice in your giving, it is as if you are, you are establishing, A, the covenant that was in the blood of Jesus. But you are, also, you are also literally making a covenant with God by sacrifice. And the scripture says when you do that, the windows of heaven shall be opened up. The scripture says when you do that, you are putting in your, yourself in a place to prove God. Here is what is so very, very important. There are times in life where trouble happens. Amen? Does trouble happen? Well, your sacrifice can speak for you in the day of trouble. The fact that you've got this testimony, this memorial before God through your giving can speak for you in the day of trouble. Amen? That is so very, very important. Now, that's just one element. But your giving is a sacrifice. It's a demonstration of the love of God. It's a demonstration of your obedience. It's a demonstration of the fear of the Lord. And it is an act of worship. And that sacrifice literally puts you in a position to activate your personal covenant with God. Amen? Does that make sense? Amen? Now you should study it out. Praise the Lord. There's a lot of precedent in the word of God to that extent. I mean Cornelius it was his giving that came up as a memorial before God. And God said, let's begin the gospel to the Gentiles, beginning with Cornelius. Hallelujah. A man that fear God. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we give, whether it be because you're speaking to our hearts, or whether it be because we had purposed in our heart to give, whichever way it is, may it be by faith. May it be a demonstration of worship, of obedience, of honoring you, and of the fear of the Lord. And Father, I pray that even as we give, whether it be tithes or offering or first fruits or whatever the case might be, I am asking that as we give, there would be an activation of that covenant in which we stand so that there will be the fulfillment of those things that we desire in our lives. There will be an increase in the financial arena. There will be an increase in other areas as well, for you shall supply not just some of our needs, but all our needs according to your glory by Christ Jesus. So I thank you for your anointing on us as we give in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, with all of that, it is so that you can release your faith in your giving. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You guys have another song? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ian. Shall we all rise again as we uh, worship God with our last song? And I pray that when we sing this song, that we'll be reminded of His goodness and His faithfulness.
When I think about the Lord, when I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me. 
to the uttermost when I think about the Lord. How we pick me up and turn me around. How we place my feet. Come on, let's declare when I think about the Lord. When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up, turned me around, how He placed my feet, I saw the crowd. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Just our voice, lift him up. Makes me wanna shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Come on, let's praise the rise in this room. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory. And all of the honor and all of the praise. Come on, lift him up. It makes me wanna shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. It makes me wanna shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy. See you for the last time. Makes me wanna shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. It makes me wanna shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy. All of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What every voice.
praise and glory. We worship you. We worship your majesty. We praise your excellence. Oh, there is none like you, O oh Lord. There is none beside thee. There is none that can be, be compared to you. You are wonderful. You are awesome. You are majestic. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We praise you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as you just keep your eyes on Jesus. And let's just, just pray in the spirit just for a few moments. But keep your eyes, keep your mind on him. Keep your eyes on the blood. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. The blood speaks. It speaks from the throne room of God. It speaks from your heart because you have been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. You have been sanctified, set apart to God by the working of the Holy Ghost. You have been sanctified, separated unto God by the blood of Jesus. Oh, Rasha Katakataya, the sprinkling of the blood, the authority of the blood. Handa Sakatataya, the blood that qualifies us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood that declares old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The blood that declares, you are a joint heir with Christ and you are an heir of God. The blood that declares the authority of the name of Jesus, it belongs to you. The blood that declares that everything that is finished is finished and is on the inside of you. For you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and in Christ. That blood speaks. That blood speaks. That blood declares. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The spirit of God responds to the blood. The devil flees because of the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's have a seat. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And this we know, so we say so. Amen. Say, I'm the redeemed of the Lord. This I know, and I say so. I am the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. Now, just as we go to the word, I want you to say this with me. Say, I believe God's word above my feelings, above my experiences, above the opinions of men. I believe God's word. It is settled in heaven, and I settle it in my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Father, we just want to thank you now for your grace. We thank you for the spirit of the living God that teaches us all things, that leads us and guides us into all truth, that gives us understanding. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Now, we're going to pick up and continue from last week. Today's message is titled, Your, Ad- your Advancement and Success Strategy. For this year, and it's part two. 
your advancement and success strategy for this year, and this is part two. Now, in the process, we will come to the fear of the Lord. So stay alert and watch for the spirit of the fear of the Lord that will permeate this entire message that will be sprinkled throughout And I trust that the spirit of the fear of the Lord will also rise up in you. For Christ himself, it says in Isaiah chapter 11, he had the spirit of wisdom and revelation and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge. But he also had the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And the scripture says that in the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that was his delight. Jesus delighted in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And and that is what opened up the door for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and all, and quite frankly, the abundance of grace. Amen? So I believe we would be in excellent company if Jesus is our example and you allow that spirit of the fear of the Lord to come upon you and even overtake you. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. But we're talking about your advancement and success strategy for this year. God wants you to advance, to progress. He wants you to advance today, this week, This month, this year, God wants you to advance. Do you want to advance? Do you want to make progress? Do you want to be more successful? The scripture says in in, in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 18 that the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. You are the just, for you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. So God's will, desire, plan, and purpose for you is that your pathway is to become brighter and brighter, more and more successful. The word of God declares, God says, I desire above all else that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper, that you might have life, And have it more abundantly to the point that it overflows. That you would go from glory to glory. From strength to strength. From faith to faith. Say I believe the word. Even to the point... Listen to this. This is, this is God. This is not reasoning. This is not logic. This is not even um, based on, on, on experience and history or any other such thing. God wants you to go from such strength to strength that he says in Psalms 103, now dare to believe this, that he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth can be renewed as an eagle. That is how much God wants you to go from strength to strength. And James in chapter 3 and verse 2 agrees with that. Because James, if we could call him Dr. James for a moment, says that if a man does not offend in word, if he learns to talk right, he, can, he is a perfect man 
and he's able to bridle the entire body by talking right. So it says, God says, I'm going to satisfy your mouth with good things to the point that your youth would be renewed as an eagle so that you can run and not be weary and walk and not faint because you're going to have a supernatural strength. The Lord is the strength of your life. Hallelujah. But you got to dare to believe these things. Hallelujah. Look, listen to Psalms 115. Psalms 115. Say, God wants increase. God wants me to advance. God wants me to be successful. Psalms 115, verse 12 to 15. And you could come back and read the whole chapter. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will empower you to prosper. He will bless those who fear the Lord. He will empower those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord God give you increase more and more, you and your children. See, I got a covenant with God. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord. May you be empowered to prosper and have good success by the Lord. By the Lord who made heaven and earth. Nothing is too difficult for him. This is the one that is saying this. This is God Almighty. But in the midst of it here, what we do see is that he will bless and empower those who what? Fear the Lord. Say fear the Lord. So as I said, I want you to be alert and watch out for the spirit of the favor of the Lord. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 24, Paul says, And they glorified God in me. What does that mean? What it means is that God wants you, God wants to so work in you and through you in such a dynamic way that it will be obvious that your progress, that your advancement, that what's happening in your life and through your life, it will be obvious that this got to be God. That God himself be glorified in you. Are you with me? Capture the heart of God. Because you see, at the end of the day, it's about agreeing with God. It is about letting the mind of God be in you. It is about, it is about seeing things the way God sees it. It is not about being carnally minded, but it is about being spiritually minded, which is life and peace. And this is how God thinks. This is what God is saying. God says, I want to increase you. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want you to advance. And I want to do it in such a dynamic way that, that I will be glorified in you. It will be obvious that I am the author and I am the source of what's happening in your life. Now, one of the very elements about, uh, about the, the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is an agreement with God. How can two walk together except they be what? Agreed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, let me, let me, let me stretch this for a moment. I was saying a little while ago that in Psalms 103 verse 5, that the word of God says that even your youth would be renewed as an eagle. As you hit your 70s, as you hit your 80s, as you hit your 90s. 
as the Lord satisfies you with long life. You're going to be like Moses where you climb up a mountain at 120 years old. Why? Because your youth is renewed as an eagle. And when that happens, as those things happen in whatever arena, it will be obvious that this is of God and not of man. He will be glorified. Now, capture this for a moment and again say, I believe according to the word. Now it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20, it says, Know ye not that your body is the temple, the sanctuary of the Holy Ghost. And you are not your own, but you are bought with a price. Your body belongs to God. And that God would be glorified. Say glorified. In your body and in your soul. Now, if God, Paul says God was glorified in me, so that it's obvious that it's God at work. And now it says about God being glorified in your body. Could it be that God wants you to walk in such a place of divine health that he is glorified, that, in, that he is glorified in your body? Is it true that 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10 says that Light, life, and immortality is brought to light through the gospel. Through the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is Christ in you? He is the hope of what? Glory. 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 The same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. Amen. Jesus was raised by the glory of the Father. Now that glory of God can so work within us that he will be glorified in your body. But you got to believe it before you can have it. Are you with me? And that is why I say there is a stretching here of your believing. And if you allow your believing to be ruled by what your experiences have been in the past, by what somebody else has gone through or not gone through, or if it is you allow it to be ruled by what it looks like, what it feels like, what the doctor has to say, then you wouldn't be able to come up here. Hello? And, 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 and the very... The, 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 uh, let, me, let me give you the word, the word that, 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 that the Lord has spoken regarding this year, today, and now for me. But it is also for you. And it is from Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. Come up higher. John on the island of Patmos said he heard a voice. After these things I looked and behold a door, a door. Standing open in the heaven. A door that no man can close. And, in the, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. Speaking with me saying... Come up here, come up higher, and I will show you things which must take place after this. So God is saying to you and I, as we have stepped into this year, that you are to come up higher. Say, come up higher. And this coming up higher, I just happen to be talking about health. So much so that he is glorified in your body. So much so that he becomes the strength of your physical body. Hallelujah. But it is in, but it's so... You want to come up higher in your health. But in the other arenas, come up higher. Come up higher. And as you come up higher, you will find there is a door that is open in the realm of the spirit that no man can close. 
Now, what areas do you need to come up higher? And that's where, as I said, if you go back to last week's message, there's some, you're going to have to spend some time with the Lord, search your heart, and, and make some decisions as to where do I need to come up higher. You're going to have to check out yourself, see where you're at, be honest with yourself, and recognize I need to come up higher in this area or in that area. But let me just give you a couple of areas. Come up higher in the area of prayer. Come up higher in the area of learning how to wait on God. Where is the very womb out of which creativity will flow when you learn to wait on the Lord? Come up higher in that arena, praying in tongues. Praying in tongues so that you can, so that there are some realms in the spirit that could become open up unto you. Not just when you're in church or in prayer meeting. Come up high in your word consumption. Man shall not live by bread alone, but man shall live by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. That means you got to come up higher in meditating in the word of God. You got to come up higher in speaking the word. Let the word of God be precious in your mouth. Let that word be like a fire. Let it be like a hammer coming out of your mouth so that your mouth becomes, uh, or becomes uh, God's oracle. Hallelujah. Come up higher in the word by studying the word. Spending time in the word. Come up higher in your walk. Your walk, walking in love. Your love walk. Come up higher walking in truth. Walking in the light. Hallelujah. Come up higher in your thinking. Taking on the mind of Christ. Not seeing yourself as a grasshopper. Jesus taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but coming up high in your thinking where you can recognize that as he is, so am I in this world. Where you can recognize the oneness that you have with God in Christ. He is the vine, I'm the branch. The life and the vine is in me. Hallelujah. Come up higher. Are you with me? Come up higher in that area of your thinking. Come up higher in, 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 the, in the financial arena. It may mean getting out, out, getting out of debt. It may mean wealth transfer. Come up higher in your giving. Come up higher in your relationships. Now, every one of these areas and the ones that are, come up higher in the, in the area of your personal evangelism, leading people to the Lord, testifying of the goodness of God, letting people know how they can be saved, how they can come out of the misery. How they can come into a place of freedom, of peace, of joy, of strength. How they can have supernatural divine hope. Where you can share with them the reason for your hope. Coming up higher in these areas. Coming up higher, being free from the fear of man and intimidation. Coming up higher in the realm of boldness, confidence. Hallelujah. Because as you come up higher, there are doors. There's an open door that you can walk through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in all of these areas, the ones I've mentioned and ones that, and, and others as well, I'm going to say this, and that's, that's the very essence of this message. I present to you that the vehicle of your rising is the fear of the Lord. The vehicle of your rising that will cause you to rise in any and all of these areas is the fear of the Lord. 
Now, I'm a stickler for detail. And when it comes, especially in the area of teaching, I do not like to, to as a teacher, and I don't like to hear it elsewhere, where someone is going to say all when they mean most. Because if you say all and there's an exception, that statement is wrong. Are you with me? Amen? So I mean it that it doesn't matter what area it is. The fear of the Lord is the vehicle of your rising. All right. Now in this vehicle of the fear of the Lord, and I'm just going to mention this briefly. You could go back and listen to last week. You're going to find there's a necessity for diligence. The diligent soul shall be made fat. It might be in the area of, 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 your, of your prayer life. And so you've decided I need to come up high in my prayer life. Right? And so you might have to, so you might decide, all right, I need to live in a constant awareness of his indwelling presence. You're going to have to be diligent about that. And then also, too, it's going to involve discipline. You may decide, well, all right, if I'm going to come up high in my prayer life and I'm going to spend some more time, maybe I need to wake up an hour earlier in the morning. Which may also mean you got to go to bed early, an hour earlier. I don't know. But you make plans, you're going to have to have the discipline to execute those plans. So it's going to require diligence. It, it says in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, to be diligent, to make your calling and election sure. Be diligent so that those things that you endeavor to be a priority that you are pursuing, be diligent concerning them. Because if you do, the scripture goes on to say that there's going to be a broad, wide door through which you can enter into the everlasting kingdom of God, which is the realm in which God reigns. Are you with me? And then there is discipline. There is diligence. There is discipline. And you need to function from the life of Christ. Because you can of yourself do nothing. It is not works. It is, you see, you could have never fulfilled all of these vows and all of these, and all of these commandments in and of yourself. You never could. That's why Jesus came. That's why grace is available. So that he can do it in you and through you. Are you with me? This is the reason the reality of the application of the sacrifice of Christ is that it is no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. And the life you now live is the life of Christ, and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. But if that is not a reality, and where you are functioning from is simply your willpower, you are doomed to fail. So in all of the diligence, in all of the discipline, and the other things I'm going to talk about, you have to come into this place where the, that exchange has taken place. And it is, it is not me here. It is Christ living inside of me. The old man was crucified with him. The old man was buried with him. He is dead. He is gone. Buried, gone. And I have been raised up. I have resurrected with Christ. I have ascended with Christ. I've been made to sit in heavenly places at the Father's right hand. In that place far above principality these powers might dominion and whatever else and I have been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ I have been made the righteousness of God in Christ I also now have the name of Jesus it belongs to me I can function in that authority I have the very life of Christ it's no longer I but it is the life of Christ and all of these promises are yes and amen that has to be a reality now it doesn't become reality because you hear it once or twice it becomes a reality when you meditate in it when you develop the consciousness of it, when you begin to apply it, when you build it into your system. So you are diligent and you are disciplined, but you are functioning from who you really are. Who you really are. Colossians 3 verse 3 and 4 says, you are dead and your life is hid 
with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, you've got to make that identification. Are you with me? And then you, and then you, so you, you operate with the diligence, with the discipline from the life of Christ, and you function and you look to God for the wisdom. Because the wisdom can vary from situation to situation. But all of that, the diligence, the discipline, the life of Christ, the wisdom, even those things will be found inside the fear of the Lord. But we're not going to go there right now. It will be a outflow of the fear of the Lord. Take the wisdom, for instance. Psalms 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Job 28, 28 says, The fear of the Lord is wisdom. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs 22, verse 11 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life by the fear of the Lord. Now, you see, just, just very briefly, this fear of the Lord is honoring God, just like Abraham did. This fear of the Lord is honoring God in all that you do. It is obeying God. It is trusting God. I mean, what? look at what Abraham did. Man, that took some trust. Amen? The fear of the Lord is trusting God. It's obeying God. And it's also purity. Walking in harmony with him. But this fear of the Lord is what will literally cause all of these areas where you need to come up higher to become a reality. It says in Psalms 31 and verse 19, you could write it down. It says that I has not, not, I has not seen. Yeah, but basically that's what it says. I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart the great goodness that God has prepared for those that will fear him. Great goodness, say great goodness. For who? For every believer? For everyone that confesses Jesus as Lord and Savior? No, but for those that would fear him. All right. Solomon, the wisest man, said in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, fear God and obey him. For this is the whole duty of every man. Fear the Lord. Honor God. Obey God. Trust God. Now, no, 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 hear me now. Hear me now. I'm heading over. We're going to come for some grace soon. <laughs> this statement that Solomon made is in the Old Testament. True? But but being it's in the Old Testament does not mean that it's Old Covenant. Are you with me? Because it's in the Old Testament, it does not mean that it's Old Covenant. All right. Nevertheless, <laughs> let's look at the New Testament. First Peter, 
chapter 1, and I'm going to try to read this with minimum comment. <laughs> All right? First Peter chapter 1. Remember, Solomon says, the whole purpose of man is to obey God and, 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 and live in the fear of the Lord. Peter's going to say pretty well the same thing, but he's going to work his way up to it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore now, gird up the loins of your mind. Brace your minds. Be sober. Think like God. And rest your hope. Your hope. The focus of your faith. Fully upon the grace. The enablement. The power of God. That is going to be brought to you. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ is in you the hope of glory. But he needs to be revealed. He needs to be unveiled. So as that Christ within you becomes unveiled, he is the hope of glory. As that Christ inside of you begins to come forth and be formed in you. As the revelation of he that is in you begins to be made manifest. There is going to be grace that will show up. So get ready for it. And as obedient children... Not confirming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Old King James says, all your conversation. Now, the word conversation is not just, what, not just your speaking. The word conversation means your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, and your actions. Sidebar. Psalms 50 verse 23, God says, To him that orders his conversation aright, I am going to show and demonstrate salvation, deliverance, wholeness, prosperity. To him who orders his conversation, his thinking, his believing, his speaking, his attitudes, and his actions to be aligned, God says, I'm going to show up. And I'm going to bring deliverance. Philippians 1.27, Paul said pretty well the same thing. He said that your, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. What is he saying? He's saying let your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your actions, let it be consistent with the gospel, the good news. Let it be consistent with the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus is in me. All right. So anyway, so it says... Um, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Okay, sorry, verse 15. But he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct and conversation. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. How can two walk together except they be agreed? And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each man's, to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. In other words, live in the fear of the Lord. When? Sometimes, all the time. Develop in this area. I think it says in 
Proverbs 23, verse 7, about dwelling in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Proverbs 28, verse 14 says a similar thing. Here, Peter says that we are to sojourn, live in the fear of the Lord. Knowing, knowing, knowing what? That you are redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct that was received by the traditions from your fathers, but knowing that you've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. In other words, in honor of the blood that is upon you, that has been sprinkled upon you, that has separated you, that have made you who you are in Christ, in honor of that blood, live the days of your life in the fear of the Lord. He indeed was of first foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Hallelujah. So here is the truth of the whole matter. God's plan, purpose, will, desire for you from before the foundation of the world is that you would have an intimate, personal relationship with him. That you would love him. That you would honor him. That you would walk with him. That you would be so close to him. And that, you see, that is, that, if, you understand, if we could just understand that God is love, and he has loved you with an everlasting love, the love of God is such that it's not your stuff and all of that. God might tell you, do this, obey him, do this, do that, do that. You know, the tithes, offering. But ultimately, it's you that he wants. The love of God cannot be satisfied with anything else but intimacy with you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's what eternal life is about. That you might know him, be intimate with him. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Deuteronomy 32 verse 9 says, The Lord's portion is his what? People. That's what, he was, that's what he was after. Jesus understood that. That is why when Jesus was on the cross, going through all that he went through, all of the agony, knowing that he had to go to hell and suffer the wrath of God, that is why even in the midst of all of that, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why? He knew that beyond this, he is going to be able to give to the Father the desire of his heart, which is you. You are the joy of the Lord that was beyond the cross. That intimacy that God desired with you. You are the Lord's portion. First John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has for us. For you, that we are called the children of God. Intimate fellowship with God, this intimate fellowship is what he was after. But now here's the deal. This intimate fellowship with God is not possible without you walking in the fear of the Lord. Would you allow someone to come close to you and be intimate with you if they don't trust you and you don't trust them? 
Would you allow someone to be so close to you if they're full of pride or, or if, if whatever you say, they, they're just ready to argue? No submission, no yieldedness, no obedience. No, the scripture says in Psalms 25 and verse 14 that the secret of the Lord lies with them that fear him. Now one element of that is, another translation will say, intimate fellowship with God is reserved for every believer? No, for them that fear him. And then it will go on to say, and to them he will reveal his covenant. He will reveal his covenant. Now it seems to me that it's not to everyone, even though we all have this covenant, It seems to me that it's not to everyone that he's going to reveal and manifest his covenant and show himself strong on everyone's behalf. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole whole earth looking for the one whose heart is right towards him. The one who will reverence him and fear him and God says, I'm going to show myself strong on his behalf. I am trying to make an argument which is this, that the fear of the Lord is the vehicle that will cause you to come up higher and have all of the advancement that God wants you to have and that you want to have. The secret of the Lord, intimate fellowship with God, is for those that fear him. How does that affect your prayer life? Isn't your prayer life about intimacy? Your prayer life, your intimacy with God will come up higher as you walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, go back to that scripture, Psalms 25, verse 14. The secret of the Lord. Do you know there are things that God knows that you and I don't know? Does it not say, I think it's in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to God. God knows what's happening in the stock market. God knows where the deals are. God knows what it, what it will take to, to have that breakthrough in that particular area that you've been struggling. God knows. God has secrets. But he reveals it to who? To them that fear him. Amen? In other words, not only does it open up this realm of prayer, this realm of intimacy with God, but it opens up an arena for revelation where you can see what, what others cannot necessarily see. Why? Because God reveals it to you. Amen? And of course, he will establish his covenant with you. Malachi chapter 2 verse 5 says, By the fear of the Lord, a man departs from evil. But by the fear of the Lord, a man departs from evil. And when a man, and then, oops, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm Mixing two scriptures up together here. Let me back up. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 5 says, My covenant was with him, was with him. It was one of life and peace. And I will give them to him because of the fear and the reverence he had for me in my name. Let me break that down. God says here is the deal. You and I have a covenant deal. My part is to bring 
life, the very life of God. Fight the good fight of faith that you might lay a hold of that eternal life. He says, my part is to bring that life. And that life of God is so wonderful. It is abundant. It is great. There is healing. There's wholeness. There's all kinds of stuff in that life. God says, my part is to give you life and to give you peace. Now, peace is not just Old Testament shalom peace. Peace is everything reconciled to God's original intent. God says, my part is I'm going to cause life and peace. But your part is to fear me. And because of you fearing and reverencing me, this is what I'm going to do. Amen? No wonder Psalms 50 verse 5, and we're not teaching on that today, that it says... God says, gather those saints together that have made covenant with me by sacrifice. By sacrifice. That could be his giving. That could be presenting his body a living sacrifice. That could be the praise and worship. That could be saying, saying, doing what God tells you to do when it's not convenient. God says, I make a covenant with them by sacrifice. And it's talking about a covenant you. This has to do with you. This is not about the blood of Jesus. And so here, now, now okay, let, let's go a little bit further. This fear of the Lord then, this fear of the Lord, let's, this fear of the Lord not only establishes the covenant and causes God to do his part, bring his provision, Supply the peace, supply the life, and you related one, we're going to see the grace. Say grace. All right. God's provisions. Romans 8 verse 28 says that the Holy Ghost makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered because we don't know how to pray for as we ought. But he helps us and he comes alongside of us and he takes a hold together with us. And we know that all those things that he's involved with, will work together for good. For who? For everybody? No. For them that love God. And fearing God is loving God. And for who? For them that are called according to what? His purpose. In other words, being in line with his will, with his plan, with his purpose, puts you in position where whatever it is that might look like if it's gone wrong, God says, I have the ability. I am God. I am creator of the heaven and the earth. I can make this work together for good. Are you with me? All right. But what is connected to? It's connected to the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7. Listen to this. By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. When a man weighs, please the Lord. God will make even his enemies to be at peace with him. Is sickness and disease an enemy? Well, he will make sickness and disease to be at peace with you. Underneath your feet. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 says, Unto them that fear his name shall the son of righteousness arise. With what? Healing in his wings. Not because you were crying out for healing. Not because of hands that were laid on you. Not because of the anointing of oil. But because you were living in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
finances. Proverbs 8 verse 21. I will, is, is poverty and lack an enemy? He says, I'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. Proverbs 8 verse 21 says, I will cause those who fear me and love me to inherit wealth. And I will fill their treasures. Does that sound good? Amen. Now, let, let's go back to Psalms, to Psalms 25 again. But this time, let me back up a few verses. Psalms 25, reading from verse 12. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Hello? <laughs> Who is the man that fears the Lord? Please say me. Amen. If it's you, this, this needs to be you. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. The Holy Ghost is a teacher, but let me tell you something. He doesn't teach everybody. He resists the proud. It is the meek that he will teach his way. Which is an aspect of the fear of the Lord as well. Anyway. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. Another version says in ease. You know what it is to be an ease? No matter what's going on. <laughs> I know in whom I have believed. I trust God. He is able. And so you can be at rest. He shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them, demonstrate to them his covenant. What am I saying? I am saying the fear of the Lord is the means by which you can rise in the financial arena, in the means by which you can overcome the enemies. He'll make them to be at peace with you, whether it be healing or any sickness, disease, or whatever else. Here is the point. Walking and living in the fear of the Lord will cause you to walk in harmony with God. It will put you in God's perfect will. And it will help you to come up higher in every area of your life and you will advance. The fear of the Lord is the vehicle of your rising. All right? Now, let me deal with some theology. Are we ready? <laughs> Say, I'm ready. All right. Now, the unfortunate thing about the fear of the Lord has been the misunderstanding to the point that many deem the fear of the Lord to be irrelevant. In the new covenant. And in the teaching of grace. Now notice. I said the teaching of grace. I did not say the revelation of grace. There's a big difference. Because the fact of the matter is this. That the true revelation of grace. Itself teaches the fear of the Lord. Grace itself Teaches the fear of the Lord. I'm going to jump forward here a little bit. Grace itself teaches the fear of the Lord. Now, what do I mean by that? Kenneth Hagin has been known, and you could say Kenneth Hagin has a teaching about faith that is based on Mark 11:23, right? All right. 
we can say Andrew Womack has a teaching on healing that he captures in a message called God Wants You Well. And is that valid? So in other words, that's a teaching that Andrew Womack has, that Kenneth Hagin has, that Oral Roberts had a teaching that had to do with seed faith. Remember that? Well, grace has a teaching called the fear of the Lord. Grace teaches the fear of the Lord. Now go back and read Titus um, chapter 1 verse 15 all the way through to 14. I don't have time so I'm just going to compress it and just give you Titus. What did I say? Titus chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Titus chapter 1 verse 15 all the way to chapter 2 verse 14. Go read the whole block. But I'm just going to I'm just going to um, try to make, make the point from Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 for the sake of time, all right? But you got homework. Now, this is New Testament, is that right? All right. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Let's break that down. The grace of God, and as I say, go back and read the whole context. The grace of God that brings salvation. Well, let's leave that part out. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Let's put a bracket around, bring salvation and appear to all men, and just go from there. It will say this, for the grace of God teaches us. What does it teach us? It teaches us to denying ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When you examine that, it is saying that the grace of God itself teaches the fear of the Lord. Does that make sense? All right. Well, let's not leave it there. Let's go a little bit further. So, the revelation of grace actually teaches the fear of the Lord. Now, let's just have a, 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 a brief, what should I say, general understanding of the fear of the Lord just very quickly. Number one, one element. The fear of the Lord is to honor God. It is to honor God and to reverence and respect God. Now, the scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says that God will honor those that honor him. Jesus came along and said the same thing as well in John chapter 12. Now, in the light of who God is, God is awesome. Oh, Isaiah saw him in Isaiah chapter 6, and his train filled the temple. God is magnificent. God is like, is like a fire from his loins up to his loins down. God is, a, God is awesome. And in the light of who God is, divided the Red Sea and had them walk over on dry ground. In the light of who God is, the, the, um, the fear of the Lord holds God in high esteem in whatever you do. You do it as unto the Lord, not as unto man. You hold God in such high esteem. Colossians chapter 3. I'm just going to read this from the Amplified. Verse 22 to 24. Amplified. Servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly 
masters, not only when their eyes are on you as pleasing of men, as pleasers of men, but in simplicity of purpose, with all your heart, because of your reverence for the Lord, and as a sincere expression of your devotion to Him. Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. In other words, whatever you do, you're doing it in honor of God, in the light of who he is. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 says that we are to be subject one to another because we like one another. We should, <laughs> right? Because everybody's so upright. No, but in the fear of the Lord, in reverence to God. The fear of the Lord causes to see things the way God see it. You know, it says in, I think it's Proverbs or Psalms 9 verse 10. Which is it? One of the two. <laughs> But it says the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, the knowledge, not the knowledge that I know about God, the knowledge of the Holy One. When you can see it the way God sees it, that's when you have understanding. So the fear of the Lord is seeing things the way God does. And that is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is, is, the, is uh, um, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because the fear of the Lord will cause you to see things the way God does. It will also cause you to feel about things the way God feels about it. Paul came to a particular city and when he saw the sin and the wickedness, the scripture says he was stirred on the inside. It says in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance. Proverbs 6 verse 16 to 19. These six things does the Lord hate. Pride, arrogance, a lying tongue, mouths, feet that are swift and running to mischief. He that spreads discord among brethren. In order to fear the Lord, well, literally, it will begin to affect you even in the emotional arena. Where if it grieves God, it grieves you. Look at the agreement that this fear of the Lord produces. The fear of the Lord will cause you to become aligned, aligned with God. Aligned with God. Aligned with God in your thoughts, in your word, in your deeds. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The fear of the Lord will bring you into the place of holiness. Where it's God and God only that is in control. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Now please hear this. It says all. It says having therefore these promises. And it is referring to the fact that God says. I want to be your God. I want to dwell with you. I want to be your father. I who am El Shaddai. The, the creator of the heaven and earth. I want to be a father to you. I want to dwell with you and be a father to you. And then it goes on to say, having therefore these promises of God being a father to you, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. 
In other words, the fear of the Lord is going to be the means by which you're going to perfect this holiness and come in such alignment with God. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, talking about the church, it says judgment must begin at the house of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about alignment. Amen? You look at what you think, and it and it's also refers to the last days. Do you think God is ignoring? Well, God is not aware of what's happening in the body of Christ. Jesus is coming for church that is without spot and without blemish. Amen? God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But somehow, because of the inaccurate teaching and the wrong conclusions that we have taken on this subject of grace, the grace message, so to speak, the centrality and the comprehension of the fear of the Lord in the grace revelation and in the life of the believer got lost and it has not been prioritized. But God still desires obedience. God still desires that you would love him, that you would obey him, that you would honor him. God still desires purity. Let us not be deceived. Now, we can literally, and I plan on doing that sometime on a Zoom Wednesday night. <laughs> Which is, you can go through all of the epistles. What Paul wrote, what Peter wrote, what Jude wrote, what James wrote, and you will find the fear of the Lord throughout. Amen? This is the reason why you will, you will find that it will say things like, look, if you live in this kind of way, however you want, don't kid yourself. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean you're not going to make it to heaven. But that kingdom of God that rules and reigns, where God has complete dominion and authority, will not be your portion. Is that, is that in the word of God? Galatians? It's in Galatians. It's in Ephesians. It's in Corinthians. In the mouth of two or three witnesses. All right. So, quick understanding here. The grace of God, the grace of God, let's understand the fear of the Lord rather in the context, in the light of the grace of God, just very quickly. The grace of God is the provisions of God. Is that right? It is the sufficiency of God. It is the ability of God. Paul says, I do that which I do, and it is the grace of God that is at work within me. He says, I work harder, and I do more than all the other apostles, but yet it's not me. It's the grace of God that is at work within me. Right? First Corinthians 15, 10. So it is the ability of God. It is the power of God. It is God himself. It is Christ himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was made what? Flesh. And we beheld his glory as the, only, as the only begotten of the Father. Full, full, say full, of grace and truth. That's Jesus we're talking about. The law, and, and it says, of his fullness we have received grace on top of grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace came to Jesus Christ. Grace is not just some kind of doctrine or teaching. Grace is the very person of Christ. That is why if anyone has a problem with the, what they call the grace message or whatever, they've got a problem with Jesus. Amen? So, 
Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. So Jesus paid it all, and as a result, the abundance of grace, every manner of grace, through the gift of righteousness, is available. Say available. Doesn't mean you'll function in it, but it's available. By what? To every believer because of the sacrifice. Romans 5.17. Even to the extent that it speaks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 3.8. Even to the extent that it says you are blessed with what? Every spiritual blessing. God has given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. When God gave you Jesus, how shall he not with him freely give you all things? When Jesus comes, everything comes with him. Say, I got it all. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21, that all things are yours. That is true for every believer, even if he's carnal or not. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 speaks about the manifold grace of God, which means the multifaceted diversity of the grace of God, of his provisions, of his power, and of the gifts of God. Now, what happens is this. Now, we don't have time to get into this too much, but it is that word unmerited favor that has messed us up. Because when you get born again, You didn't merit salvation. You were saved by grace through faith. You believe unto righteousness. With the heart you believe. And with more confession is made unto. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you got saved. It was unmerited and it was unearned. But it does not mean that every other facet of grace is on that basis. Fact. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Is that the truth? Which means what? Fact is that it is finished. That's a fact. Fact. All the promises of God in Christ are what? Yes and amen. That's a fact. Fact. All of the inheritance belongs to you. You are born again by the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ unto a living hope, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for you. Second, first Peter chapter 1 verse 4. All right. Say however. Say but. You like but? <laughs> the scripture says, whom the son sets free is what? Free indeed. However, you got to know the truth and apply the truth and the truth will make you free. In other words, everyone has been free to eat in his spirit, but he will not walk in it without the application of knowledge. Say knowledge. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15, I may or may not be quoting this correctly, but it says, the man with understanding will take a hold of favor. Break it down further, the person that has understanding will get a hold of grace. But the rest of that verse also says that the fool, the way of the fool, the one without understanding, the way of the transgressor, is hard. In other words, when you don't have understanding, you're going to hit your head against the wall. And the grace wouldn't function like it should. Ephesians 1 verse 11 speaks again. We have obtained an inheritance. Oh, and it's grand, it's glorious, it's spectacular, it's immense. However, it is released according to his pleasure and purpose. 
Listen to, listen to Galatians chapter 4. I'm just doing this quickly, but say I'm, say, I, say I'm wise. I have the mind of Christ. I am strengthened. It says in Galatians 4 verse 1, listen to this. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a, as as a child, he doesn't differ at all from a slave, even though he is a master of all. All of the inheritance is his. But as long as he's a child, he's just like another slave. And he's under tutors and governors and babysitters. Until such time that he's grown up and mature. In other words, all of it is his. But it is saying that the inheritance will not be released to him. Or rather... Yeah, until he's mature enough. In other words, the release of that inheritance in his life to be at his disposal is dependent on maturity. Amen? Now, there's seven levels of maturity. We'll talk about that another time. If you want to have some fun, go take Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Dissect it. You're going to find seven levels of maturity. But let's move on. But in other words, this, this inheritance is going to be released according, according to maturity. We can put it another way, according to sonship. Jesus was the very expression of the Father, and he was made an heir of all things. Sonship is a state wherein you reflect God. Are you with me? Reflect God. That's holiness. That's, that, that, um, this maturity is directly connected to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord tends to life. Spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, let me back up here. I'm just gonna, let me back. Let me back um, okay, I kind of mentioned this before. Having therefore these promises, are they automatically yours? No. Cleanse them. Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every filthiness of the flesh and perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. You are God's sanctuary. You are his temple. Is that right? Well, Psalms 89 verse 7 says, God is greatly... God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. Said so the set starts right here. Amen. Psalms 93, verse 5. Holiness becometh his house. Holiness is the mark of his house. Leviticus 19, verse 30. Reverence my sanctuary. That's this here. Present your body living. Sacrifice. Buffet your body, bring it in. What's this all about? This is about holiness. This is about the fear of the Lord. Now, hear me, and I'm just trying for us to see this. The grace of God gives us everything, but it is not automatic. Inside your spirit, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. But you know what it says? Philippians 2 verse 12. Work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. You got to draw it out. Amen? Grace and peace is multiplied how? Through knowledge. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2. All right. Now, I'm going to just jump past the rest of this because for the sake of time, I don't want you to become saturated. All right? But, 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 but I'm trusting that you capture the point. Obedience matters. Trusting God matters. Purity matters. Uh, um, these things matter. The grace of God Gives you all of the inheritance. But, Paul said, Acts 20 verse 22. I commend you.
to the word of his grace, which is able to give you your inheritance. All of the inheritance is yours, but for it to be made manifested, it's going to take the word of God and the knowledge of that word to be applied. Hallelujah. Faith. The secret of faith lies where the fear of the Lord, faith works by love. Love has to do with the fear of the Lord. Faith works by speaking. It says, I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking guile. Every element of faith is going to connect right back to the fear of the Lord. What is the point? The grace of God, Romans, um, Romans 4 verse 16, it is of faith that it might be by grace. You can only access this grace by faith, but then that faith, how that faith works has to do with your speaking. It works by love. It has to do with no, uh, about the word of God. I will show you the man that fears the Lord. He delights greatly in the Lord's commandment. And he worship, and he's worshipful towards God. Psalms 112. All right, I'm going to finish here. So let me turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I, I just have to stop. <laughs> All right? Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 27. It says that in the last days, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. Verse 7, 27. Yet once more indicates the removing of those things that are being shaken. As of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. The things that have a solid foundation. Therefore, say therefore. Well, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because this is how it is. Given that you've got this kingdom, given that there is this abundance of grace, in the light of that, we must serve God with reverence and godly fear. And then it says, because God is a consuming fire. Now, I know that song, songs like some kind of judgment and stuff, but listen to this. The God that is in you is a consuming fire. And he's a jealous God. Isn't that right? He's a jealous God. And that fire that is inside your spirit, that is God on the inside, he's jealous. And he wants his house. He don't want money changers. He wants praise and worship and obedience. And the sacrifices of God are a broken and a contrite heart. He wants his temple, his sanctuary to be a certain way. And so that God that is at a consuming fire, in the light of all of that, what does it say? Serve him with reverence and with godly fear. Because what? Alignment. Judgment must begin at the house of God. So, in closing, what is your response to all of this? This is the word of God. In other words, this issue of grace, thank God for grace. But with it, if you want to function in grace, the secret to all those other things is the fear of the Lord. 
That is the vehicle that will cause you to rise. Unto them that fear his name shall the son of righteousness, that's glory, shall the son of righteousness arise. The glory of the Lord will be risen upon thee and it will be seen. Psalms 85 verse 9 says, Surely his salvation, salvation is wholeness, deliverance, healing, prosperity. Surely his salvation is near them that fear him that glory might dwell in the land. Hallelujah. Three things that you need to do. Coming out of all of this, three things you need to do. Number one, Proverbs 1, 29 says, choose the fear of the Lord. It's your choice. Choose the fear of the Lord. How many of you make that choice? I'll close my eyes, but let God see it. Number two, you got to make a decision to dwell in the fear of the Lord. To live there. To live in the fear of the Lord. First Peter 1 Peter 1.17 says that. But Proverbs chapter 28 verse 14. Puts it this way. It says happy. Blessed is the man. Who always. Fears the Lord. So number two. Make a decision to dwell in the fear of the Lord. And then finally. Number three. Psalms 86, verse 11, write it down and make it a matter of prayer. Psalms 86, verse 11 says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart. In other words, God, give me grace that my heart would not be divided and split, but I would have a united heart. To fear your name. Give me the fear of the Lord. So that I could walk in truth. I could know truth. That I might walk in truth. And that I might know your ways. Choose the fear of the Lord. Decide I'm going to dwell in the fear of the Lord. And cry out to God. Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me to walk in truth. Teach me your ways. Give me the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Let's stand. Now, what does all of that lead to? It leads to advancement. It leads to advancement. Let's make this prayer together first. Put your hand on your heart. Everyone there online, put your hand on your heart. Say, God, I mean this. Dear Father, I mean this. And from the depths of my heart, I make a choice. I choose the fear of the Lord. I want to live in the fear of the Lord. I want to be found here in the fear of the Lord. At all times. Honoring you. Reverencing you. Respecting you. And living accordingly. So Father I ask you. Grant me grace. Unite my heart. To fear your name. Let the fear of the Lord come upon me, overtake me, and permeate every area of my life in the name of Jesus. Now, I declare to you right now that this year, you're going to have advancement in the areas 
that you choose if you will walk in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to believe that yes, 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 you are going to walk in the fear of the Lord. And because of that, you're going to have advancement. And advancement is going to mean more. I like it. It sounds poetic, but man, it's valid. 24. More. More faith. Say more faith. More revelation. More truth. More prosperity. More giving. More prayer. More love. More light. More anointing. Thank you, Lord. Father, I declare this year to be a year of advancement where the pathways of your children becomes brighter and brighter unto the perfect day in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please have a seat. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Ian. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting it on our hearts so we can observe to do it. Amen. Yeah, before we dismiss for today, just a few, few reminders. Because the message begins here, but it is to be fulfilled throughout the week. So we, what we made, Pastor Ian made himself available for Bible studies by Zoom on Tuesday and Wednesday, where you can ask questions. He teaching question and answer because sometimes you hear this way but you have questions this way and you need an answer for that so you can go to tlmh.ca forward slash live you can click on tuesday or wednesday and you'll be connected this is how simple tlmh.ca slash live and you'll be connected that's for the rest of the week um before we before you leave there's a place for prayer here too um but we remind you why we are here as a church. Still, Jesus didn't come back because there's many sons to come to glory and they're waiting on the church to reach them. So I really encourage you on a daily basis, make in your heart, whoever you see the Holy Spirit lead you, touch their lives, smile at them. They're limping, can I pray for you? Led by the Spirit, but we need to become more active. We have the gifts on the inside of us, but we need to release them. You can, nobody can get he, uh, healed unless you lay hand on them. Because if you lay a hand on the sick, they recover. The word is waiting for us. So when you leave this here, it is your mission field. It's the love of God in demonstration. So I exhort you more than ever before, every day touch someone. You are young people at school. You see your friends not feeling well? Talk to them about Jesus. Tell them they can be saved. I remember my daughter, as young as she is in kindergarten, she used on the break to sit there and talk to her friends about Jesus. So there's no age limit. So reach someone for Jesus. Amen. Uh, the word, um, tell them how much you love them. People have bad, wrong image about who God is and who Jesus is. So correct their vision. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, for um, James and uh, Pauline and and Brian and Braden and bringing the worship in this uh, location, Lord, at TLMH, uh, the Lord's Ministry House in Hamilton, to a place where you be honored and exalted as never before, more and more. 
and that you'll have your habitation in this place as we lift your praise from this earth and be glorified. And as the word comes forth, Lord God, we believe you from day to day for the manifestation of your word. So the world will see how good you are, how awesome you are, and you're calling them to yourself in Jesus' name. As we always say here, stay strong and stay blessed. Amen? Hallelujah. And I invite